The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. <laughs> and first pitch, crushing! Deep left field! This is Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. What is up? And welcome into another mailbag edition of Fantasy Baseball today on Saturday, March 12th. I am Frank Sample, joined by Chris Towers. We have all the questions, Apple Podcast Reviews. Your emails, we really do appreciate it as always. As I mentioned last week, on those emails, please try and keep them as short and sweet as possible so we can get to as many of your questions as possible. What's going on, Chris? How you doing? I'm all right. You know, it's um, we're in the past when you're listening to this, so we have no idea if there will be baseball by the time you're listening to this. There very well may be. So just a heads up, it is Thursday at 2.16 Eastern time on March 10th and the deadline is in 43 minutes. Yeah. So there's a very real chance that something happens mid podcast and then we just kind of pause things and pick them back up. But anyway, we're going to answer your questions and let's jump right in Apple podcast review questions. And this one's from T right. Eight, eight, eight. Quick question in my five by five Roto NL only keeper league with a $260 budget. I have Corbin Burns for one more year at $14. I can extend him for 2023 for $19 each of the next two seasons or I am considering flipping him for Trey Turner, who has a $40 contract through 2023, what would you do? Hmm, that's a that's an interesting one. I'm trying to look at like who's a, an option you might be able to get with the money that you would save from Corbin, and it's probably like in an NL, NL only league. Pretty- would you rather have Corbin Burns or or Corbin Burns and Tommy Edmond or Trey Turner is kind of the way I look at it, right? Like that seems like a fair person you could get for about $25. I think I almost always would rather have the depth in any kind of only league. I think so too. The problem is like how much can you think about 2023 when you're talking about a pitcher, especially a pitcher who hasn't necessarily done the 180 innings and you know, I, just, I don't think Burns has like the kind of injury history that's super concerning, but he's a pitcher. He throws hard. We know how quickly things can go from, you know, he looks like the best pitcher in baseball to, oh no, he's out for the rest of the season. So that's my concern there. But I do think the the gap and the difference in value there is probably worth um, sticking with Burns. Yeah, I agree. I would go with Corbin Burns. And if you're just talking about, you mentioned Tommy Edmonds, second base, uh, other like 
middle Jay infielders. Yeah, Jay Cronenworth is around there. Uh, maybe you can get a Willie Adamas, a Chris Taylor. Max Muncy, like but you're inviting risk. Like I, I yeah. think keeping Burns is the riskier way to go about it. Mm-hmm. I think Trey Turner's safer. You know what you're getting. He's discounted at $40 too, so it's not like you're you know, overpaying. Um, at least in my eyes, I think that's a discount for an NL-only Roto Trey Turner. Um, so I, I think you're inviting a little more risk and uncertainty, but you know, it, it probably helps you build a better team this year. I'm sure that in another life, Chris, your middle name was actually either risk or uncertainty. So I, th- I think that's probably the way to go. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. You know, the, the, the funny thing in my actual life, I don't, I'm not like that at all. Yeah. I you, wear my helmet every time I go on a bicycle. You don't do those never GoPro cameras from the top of buildings or anything like oh that. God, no. <laughs> never, never without my seatbelt. I don't go on roller coasters. Okay. I don't go in tall buildings. I'm a, I'm a coward. So you save all the risk for fantasy. It makes sense. Exactly. And <laughs> this next one's from I M S H N E grade the trade. I'm in a 12 team head to head points league and get 10 keepers. I just traded Austin Riley and Christian Yelich to get Raphael Devers. Do you think I sold too low on Yelich? I was going to use him as a keeper, but with how shallow third base is, I sold high on Riley to get a stud in Devers. And this is interesting, Chris, because recently on another Mailbag podcast, we talked about the possibility of selling high on Austin Riley in a keeper or a dynasty league. But I don't know that this was fair value for Austin Riley and Christian Yelich. My immediate takeaway is... I think he gave up too much, although I do like getting the better player in, you know, a 10 or a 12 team league. Yeah, I I think it's mostly fine. I think Riley and Yelich is a really risky package and Devers provides a lot of certainty. Now that and that certainty is, you know, not he's one of those weird players that's probably about even in head to head points versus roto value just because he's got some deficiencies in both. But yeah, I mean, there, there's a chance that we look at Riley and Yelich next season. And like, it's not out of the question that those guys are going outside of the top 200 next year. Like Riley, <clears throat> you know, if the strikeouts come back and he looks more like the pre 2021 version, and Yelich doesn't get back on track, it could look like a really, really bad uh, deal if you had kept Riley and Yelich. So I'm okay with it. I do think you're selling. A little low. You might have been able to get more, but I, I think it's fine. What would you grade the trade? And just for those listening, we'll calibrate the grade the trade meter. I don't think it's a meter, but C is a fair deal for both sides. Anything higher than a C, if you get C plus, B, A plus, whatever, then you won the deal. Anything lower, obviously, you lost the deal. I think it's like a C minus. You probably lost it a little bit. But. Oh, all right. I was going to say C plus. I mean, I think I still would rather have Devers, but... It is, it's close. It's like a, either a slight win or a slight loss, either way you look at it. So uh, C plus for me, C minus for Chris. This one's from Sean Black 72. I play in a head to head categories league with the traditional five by five categories. Would I use your roto rankings or your head to head points rankings? And this is a great question and probably one that we sh- should have addressed earlier in the off season. But if you use the traditional five by five categories, then you should follow our Roto rankings, even in a head-to-head categories league. Now, if you play with OBP or any type of total bases or uh, strikeouts for hitters or anything like that, I would say use our head-to-head points categories because those are more uh, head-to-head points rankings because those are more reflective. 
Yeah, there are different strategies between Roto and categories, but yeah, the the player valuations should generally map. Yep, for sure. This one's next from uh, KQ Dad. I play in a keeper league where we are allowed to keep five players at the round they were drafted. We can only keep them for the year we initially acquired them, plus two additional years. My question is, what you think fair value is when someone wants to trade draft picks for a keeper? Let's say a player is likely to be drafted in the fourth round, but you can keep them in the tenth. A fourth round pick in exchange seems like it would be a win since you could get a comparable player and you would still be able to use your 10th round pick. However, you can't expect a fourth round pick since there is no value for the other player in that deal. What do you think is fair to both players? Is this a situation, Chris, where you just kind of split the difference and you're hoping you can get, let's say, a seventh round pick for a player that you're keeping in the 10th round? That is a top, I don't know, 50 overall player? No, I think if you expect a player to be gone gone in the fourth round and you can keep them for a 10th round pick, I think that's absolutely worth at least a fourth round pick. Like, because that person gets that fourth round caliber play. Well, I guess because they're getting them for a fourth round caliber play. They're getting them for the fourth round pick. Huh? And then that the other player yeah. who is getting them, they would have to basically give up a fourth and their 10th round pick yeah, because that's where tenth, they're keeping the player, yeah. right? That's that's interesting, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that probably makes it more like a fifth. I don't know. I, I don't think, you know, one one thing that's always worth keeping in mind with this is like the difference between, a, between the round picks isn't linear. You know, the, the difference between a first and second round pick is bigger than the difference between a second and third round pick and so on and so forth. So, you know, I, I do think like a fifth or sixth round pick is probably right. This was from Wrecked Records. Chris, have you ever wrecked a record yourself? I don't know. Is that is that a thing? Is that a reference that I'm missing? Mm, if it is, you know, I don't know it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I have a, intentionally. Like, I've definitely like, been going to put the needle down on a record and just like slipped and had it go <laughs> which is a horrible sound <laughs> um, and can rest, mess up your records but uh, not not intense well no I did have I found some like weird novelty records on the street once and my friends and I just like threw them against a wall just to, <laughs> just to you know you, there's something cathartic about just you know breaking things i was gonna ask if you've ever been to one of those rec rooms where they i really want to they just give you like a sledgehammer and you like go a to good town time. Yeah. yeah i've never done it but it does look amazing right <laughs> let off a little bit of anger yeah have some fun uh 12 team five by five with obp and quality starts daily lineup moves is shohei otani the number one pick at this point I think it's a very fair question. In fact, next week we will have a live head-to-head categories draft uh, here on YouTube and in the podcast feed. Uh, so we'll see if Otani is the number one pick. But Chris, if you can use Otani as both a hitter and a pitcher and it's daily lineup leagues, he probably should be the number one overall pick. I think you can make a very good case for it. The The one thing about this particular format with OBP and quality start, that's not necessarily his best uh format like I think he's probably better in a batting average league than OPP um but yeah I think he's absolutely in the discussion there's the the thing that would give me some pause would just be the the fact that there is 
risk with Shohei Otani. Not just the fact that he's had Tommy John surgery, but the fact that he's both a hitter and a pitcher. I don't know, four times as many opportunities as your normal pitcher to get hurt. Uh, in addition to the relatively high baseline rate of injury risk for pitchers. So that would be the concern for me is he has more of a risk of season ending injury than any other number one overall pick type of player. But not that I, Fernando I think, Tatis is that far off. Sure, sure. Right. But yeah, I, I think if he's healthy, there's a very good chance he's the most valuable player in that format by a decent margin. As somebody who had uh, Shohei Otani on a few different teams last year in weekly lineup leagues where I could not get both his hitting and pitching stats at the same time, it was very, very frustrating. I would use this opportunity to say, yes, in this format, if you can get both his hitting and pitching in a daily lineup league, he is the number one overall player. Uh, and I feel confident saying that. Of course, he comes with risk. I think Tatis does as well. If you're about safety, you know, you could go with a Trey Turner or even a Jose Ramirez. But at this point, I don't know who's playing for safety. Let's let's go with Shohei Otani in that format. This next one's from MPJR199. One one nine, interesting. Fifteen team, five by five. OBP instead of batting average. Three hundred dollar salary cap. I'm allowed five keepers. I'm keeping Rafael Devers for thirteen dollars and Logan Webb for five dollars. My other options include Tyler O'Neill for eight bucks, Luis Severino for seven, Michael Kopech for five, Alex Kirilov for five, Akil Badu for four. I also have to call up Luis Patino. He's $0 and does not count towards my five keepers. Uh, side note, this league is run by Adam Ronis, and he's won it 10 of the last 12 years. I need to beat him. For those who so don't know... second Adam Ronis <laughs> reference on the podcast, or was that after after the podcast last night? Can't no, remember. We, uh, we recapped Scott's Tout Wars team, and that is a 15-team, 5-by-5 yep. league where he is competing against Ronis. And for those who don't know, Adam Ronis is a great fantasy player. Baseball, basketball. I'm, I'm in a basketball league with him. He's obviously great in football. Uh, we played softball together. He's a good softball player as well. He's just really good all around. I mean, I, I don't really like doing this, especially when it comes to Ronis, you know, talking him up. But let's help <laughs> this guy uh, beat Adam Ronis, if possible. So uh, which... Three are you looking at keeping here, Chris? I, I think O'Neill is the the sure one at eight dollars. I think Kirilov at five, and I would go with Kopech at five over Severino at seven or Badu at four. I just think Kopech and Severino probably have similar upside. There's probably a better chance that Severino throws like 160 innings than Kopech, but I do think they could be very similar in terms of their volume and their production. So I'll just go with Kopech, who feels like a bit of a safer thing than, you know, obviously Severino. We haven't really seen him pitch since 2018. I'm with you. Let's do it. Let's take Tyler O'Neill, Michael Kopech, and Alex Kirilov. This next one's from Dan SD82. Dear Greg, Tom, and Steve. I mean, could we have any more generic names, Chris? Yeah, I mean, like Tom and Greg are from Succession, but there's no Steve that I can remember in Succession, so I don't think that's it. Is that show good? Um, I've seen a lot of hype around it. That's it's very good. Okay, it's it's real good. Got it. And Greg and Tom are the the funniest things in the show. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say Greg Maddox, Tom Seaver, and Steve Carlton. I don't know what they would all have in common. Mm. Um, but that is my guess. Maybe it's the most 
Cy Young Awards in NL history or the only four-time NL Cy Young winners? Mm. That's my guess. All right. I recently joined a head-to-head points league with daily lineup settings that includes 14 hitters, five outfielders, a corner, a middle, two utility spots. So I guess that means only one catcher, which is probably the way to the way to play and 10 pitchers, t- uh, six starting pitchers and four relievers. Some of the offensive categories are inflated two points per run scored three points per RBI and holds are worth seven points almost as much as saves, which are worth eight points. Wins are 10 and quality starts are five. There is also a 12 start cap per week for starting pitchers. What kind of draft strategy would you use? The first thing that stands out to me here, Chris is the fact that there is a, cap on how many starts you can have per week and Mm. because of that I'm not sure that volume in terms of how many starts you have per week matters as much I mean usually we're chasing two start weeks in this type of format as a result I think that I would want more quality when it comes to starting pitchers which is usually what we talk about anyway when it comes to -to head-to-head points leagues yeah I mean 12 starts that's a I guess with six starting pitchers, four relievers, 12 starts is probably not a cap that you're ever really going to hit. I mean, that would basically be, unless you have a SPARP, right. you would need all six of your starting pitchers to, to have multiple starts, which can happen, but seems pretty unlikely to happen more than once or twice in a season. And I would say even that is probably really unlikely. So I don't know if that start cap matters so much. The, the thing that does stand out to me is the two points per run three points per rbi that means a home run would be if we're using the you know the the rest of it as cbs scoring it would be home runs are nine points i guess as opposed to a solo home run would be nine points as a point as opposed to six in a cbs league so you know that's something to keep in mind i think that does give put more of an uh more value in those high volume middle of the order power producers over everyone else. And then, I mean, this is basically a saves plus holds league. So when the, when it comes to those relievers, you don't have to worry about closers that much. Closers will tend to get more saves than the, the holds leaders. So that's something to keep in mind. But yeah, I, I think you kind of treat it as a normal points league for pitching with the exception of holds being valuable. And then uh, for a point, I, I think you probably value hitters more is the biggest thing. I think you value the, a Rafael Devers type even more. Okay. So are you more likely to draft hitters early in a scoring system like this, or just really yeah. kind of the same the same that we're used to in a, in a points league. I mean, I think yeah, normally I think in I would, a points league, we, we're, we're more aggressive on, on pitchers early. Yeah, I think in this because, one, there are more relievers relative to starters mm-hmm. in, than in your normal points league. It's six to four versus five to two. Um, and relievers are going to be more valuable relative to starters because of the addition of that holds category. You're going to have more viable relievers. You're going to have you know guys like Paul Sewold who will get some saves and also plenty of holds. You know, I think he was top five in saves plus holds last season. Those kind of guys are going to be much more valuable. And, you know, starters with the extra points for wins, that's that's valuable, but that's really unpredictable. So I think starters, act, starting pitchers actually lose relatively in this format. 
All right, let's move on to the next question. This one's from Justin Siragusa. Dear Ron, Keith, and Gary, the best in the business. Mets broadcasters. They are fantastic. Look, no hate here. Even as a Yankees fan, I will admit the Mets broadcast team is fantastic. Gary Cohen. Before you said Gary, I thought like, oh, Rolling Stones. But no, that's not. (laughs) Ronnie Wood, Keith Richards. But no, I don't think there's a Gary in the Rolling Stones. If you don't know, Chris... I don't know. Gary Cohen, <laughs> Keith Hernandez, and Ron Darling, of course, there. I am in a 12-team, 8 by 7 weekly head-to-head categories keeper league with home runs, runs, RBI, batting average, steals. The three additional categories are walks, strikeouts, and OPS. And then for pitchers, wins, saves, strikeouts, whip, ERA, the additional two are walks and quality starts. I can keep three of the following with a max keeper budget of $55. Carlos Rodon for $1, Trevor Rogers for $1, Logan Webb for $1, Mike Clevenger for $1, Shohei Otani the batter for $8, Zach Wheeler for 12, Carlos Correa for 9, Trey Turner for 42. Hmm. So you could go So that kind of throws a wrench in things cuz I think you want to keep the initial takeaway is you want to keep t- uh, Turner and Otani, but that brings you to $55. So then you wouldn't be able to keep Zach Wheeler for $12. Well, no, that brings you to 50. What so you I wouldn't say? be able to keep Wheeler. Isn't but that you what I just would said? be able to do 55. Mm. So you would be able to do Trey Turner, Shohei Otani, and Logan Webb or Trevor Rogers, whichever one you prefer there. And that brings you to 51. Um, or you could do Turner and Wheeler <clears throat> and then one of Webb and Rogers. And that brings you to 55 exactly. So I would think Turner, Otani, and uh, do I have Webb or Rogers ranked higher? Let me see. I have Webb ranked higher. And I, I think I, I have Webb ranked higher. I think that's the route that I would go. Turner, Otani, Web, and that brings you to fifty-one dollars. Yeah, so I, I think that's the way to go. Agreed. Uh, all right, and the last thing here from Justin: P.S. Put your live YouTube drafts in as a podcast. Well, we do. I mean, we just started doing it recently, so you might have left this Apple Podcast review a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but we took your advice, and yes, the live mock drafts are now in the YouTube feed. And speaking. They're in the podcast feed. And speaking of which, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. Yeah. It's youtube.com slash fantasy baseball today. If you're watching this on the YouTube channel, we appreciate you. Please hit the like button as well. Uh, but we're always doing a lot of fun stuff, emergency podcast, uh, all of our uh, full-length podcasts are streamed live there each night, usually Sunday through Thursday around 10 or 11 p.m. Eastern time. Yes, we are night owls. We like to stay up late and do the podcast with you. So please subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. Emails up next. Don't go anywhere. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's jump back into emails. Fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. That is the letter I. This one is from Rob in Toronto, who is writing in for the first time. I've been listening to your podcast for a few years now and really enjoy the show. Well, thank you, Rob. My question I am in a 12 team head to head keeper league, and I can keep five players, and I have narrowed it down to Jose Ramirez, Shohei Otani, the batter, Tim Anderson. Whit Merrifield, Javier Baez, Carlos Correa, Sandy Alcantara. The categories are runs, home runs, RBI, steals, total bases and batting average, wins, losses, saves, strikeouts, ERA, and whip. Which five would you suggest I keep? Um, you know, the, the addition of losses does make Sandy Alcantara <laughs> slightly less valuable, unfortunately. Those darn Marlins... Um, but I don't think that would scare him, me off of him. I, I would be keeping him. Um, and the addition of total bases does make sluggers more valuable. And obviously, I think Jose Ramirez and Shohei Otani would be two of your keepers anyway. I think it's Ramirez, Otani, Alcantara. And I would still go with Tim Anderson and Whit, Whit Merrifield, um, even with total bases and those guys not necessarily standing out there. Although... You know, Whit Merrifield actually will be pretty good in that, like, sort of in that, uh, like, Zach Wheeler strikeouts way, where it's like he's not going to be among the league leaders in strikeout rate, and Whit Merrifield will not be one of the leaders in slugging percentage, but he's going to play so much. He's led the led the majors in at-bats, I think. I think he's led the, the AL in at-bats four straight years or something like that. So I think he was also tied for the league lead in doubles <clears throat> last year. So that helps total. Yeah, bases. he'll yeah, he'll he'll be good in total bases just because one, he's a decent hitter, but also he's a very, very active hitter. He's a lot of hitter for sure. Yeah, so I'm going Anderson, Tim Anderson, Whit Merrifield, Sandy Alcantara, Jose Ramirez and Shohei Otani. Let's do it. I agree with you, Chris. Those are the five that I like as well. This one is from Steve in Massachusetts. Dear George, Shohei, and Brendan. Hmm. I don't know. George Springer. Shohei Otani. But what would they have in common? Rogers? I don't know. See, what I thought was maybe it's George Herman Ruth, and it's a reference to multi- like hitter slash pitcher guys, but I don't know what Brendan what oh, Brendan would fit in. Brendan McKay. Ah, oh, there you go. <laughs> All right, we figured it there out. You go. <laughs> nice. Is there a reason you guys hardly ever mention daily transaction leagues on the pod? We have feelings too, man. For instance, during the utility only hitters preview, you never mentioned how Otani should be treated in a daily league where you can utilize both his hitting and pitching. Should he be the first overall pick in a daily head-to-head points draft, roto draft, and any other specific players that make a big difference in a daily format would love some analysis. Thanks. P.S. Love the pod. One of my favorite parts is definitely Scott's occasional passive aggressiveness towards Frank. Too good. 
I don't know if I pick up on that. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's I'm too aloof. When I first read it, there's so much stuff going on throughout the podcast that half the time I'm I'm not paying attention to like Scott's tone if he's angry with me, which I don't know. There there might be times where he is. I, I was going to ask you, Chris. I mean, you're, he's you're getting a little. Of, he was getting a little annoyed during the mock draft, the Tout Wars review. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't like it when we're critiquing his team. I do know that. He was asking our opinion, so... I don't I know, know, but he doesn't really want it. <laughs> That's true. I mean, Scott, we can only tell you the truth about Nicky Lopez so many times. <laughs> Scott's not going to listen um, to this, so it's it's fine. Yeah, uh, as far as the like daily transactions leagues, I, I, my, my sense would be that the biggest difference besides Shohei Otani potentially being the number one overall pick in both categories and points if you can use him as both a hitter and a pitcher is it probably makes non-closing relievers more valuable assuming you don't have like low innings limits because what you can do is have five or six starting pitchers and like five or six relievers with a couple of closers and just anytime you've got a spot where a starting pitcher's not going you just put one of those relievers in there you should have all of your relievers in your lineup every day, probably unless you have like four starters going on one day, which won't happen too often. And that way you're going to get whatever stats they have. And it could wreck your ratios occasionally if they have a blow up, but you'll pick up the occasional win. You'll pick up strikeouts. So that would be the biggest strategy thing. And then Rockies players with their home road splits become more valuable, but also a little more annoying in a daily transactions leagues, because you really probably want to just sit them all when they're not at Coors Field. You know, Trevor Trevor Story being the exception probably because of his speed if he returns. Um, and then your you, platoon bats can be a little more valuable. You know, you do have to use multiple roster spots for them, but if you've got someone like Jesse Winker or Jared Walsh who can't hit lefties, it's a good point. You should probably just not start them against left-handed starters because you know, Jared Walsh had a sub-600 OPS against lefties last season. I believe Jesse Winker has a sub-600 OPS for his career against lefties. They're going to crush righties, so if you can avoid the times that they're bad, it's going to make them even more valuable. Yeah, I think Akil Badu is in that conversation as well, Chris. I mean, sure, as much yeah. as he improved last year, he did struggle mightily against left-handed pitching. And I remember vividly, someone emailed in last year, and they said that they love drafting platoon bats in head-to-head categories and that it's worked out for them. And and that whenever, yeah. you know, players who are bad against lefties are facing a lefty, they just sit them and, and they just yeah. reap all the benefits against right-handed pitching. And I think it's a viable strategy. So Otani, as you mentioned, the Rockies, any other players who might have like drastic home road splits. I mean, I don't know, like I would say Yankees <sighs> hitters, but it's like, it's pretty hard to kind of, that's not really sticky year over year outside of the Rockies. So... Yeah, and I don't like, like maybe DJ LeMayhew, you're more likely to start him at home, but I don't know if it's like an emergency that you have to sit him. Um, yeah, I would have said know, like the Blue Jays guys last year when they were playing in like these band boxes. Those guys are also, for the most part, so good. Right. That like there's not really, you're probably not going to find a better player than, you know, Bo Bichette on the road. Ooh, I, I'll, it I'll, makes it worth. I'll point out a pitcher too, uh, Tyler Malley. His home road splits are sure. terrible. Like he is, he is awful in Great American Ballpark. I think it was an ERA over five, and on the road he had an ERA under three. 
So, and I, I think you could point to like potentially Jonathan India as a guy who really benefits from his home park where, you know, he might not be as good on the road. But one thing you have to keep in mind with all those is like, it has to be worth it. And so if a guy's like a 900 OPS at home and a 750 on the road, right? Okay, he's better at home, but it's probably not worth the extra roster spot you're going to have to use to, unless you've got a Jake Cronenworth or somebody with, you know, multiple eligibility, a Luis Arias, who can give you the flexibility where you're probably just going to have them in the lineup somewhere anyway. Um, but it's harder to do that when, you know, you're dealing with shorter benches or shallower leagues or something like that. The only other thing I wanted to bring up about this catchers Chris are there any catcher tandems because again that's something that people have emailed in the past about uh in a daily lineup league is you know if there's a team with a good catcher tandem which it doesn't really feel like there's many like the Rays could be one yeah but I don't like that's that's where it's just it's probably not worth the roster spot yeah to try to chase catcher production like I was gonna say the Brewers I think they've got they've got Omar Nervaez and Pedro Severino, who's really good against lefties. Yeah. But yeah, it, like yeah. I, I, but even then, their catchers last season had a seven thirty eight OPS combined. So it's like, all right, I, I guess that's fine. <laughs> but you're probably just you're probably just better off taking the zero when Omar Nervaez is out of the lineup because he's not going to be that much worse than that anyway. Um, the Blue Jays might be worth it, Chris. Like if you have Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk together. Sure, just because they could both be Solid. very good hitters. Right. Um, and that that's kind of with the Rays, with Mejia and um, Mike Zanino. You know, they combined for 39 home runs last season. <laughs> and I think Mejia did, had six of them, but <laughs> yeah, between say. the two of them, they did have 95 runs, 97 RBI, 39 home runs, probably like a 230 batting average, but... That's the one that I think you could maybe get that kind of edge with, but it's probably not worth the uh, the roster spots. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to the next question here. We, this one's from Tyler in Ontario. Dear Ricky the, the, Bubbles, the Tigers, the Tigers catchers combined for forty one home runs last season. I, you know, I thought about bringing up the Tigers. They brought in Tucker Barnhart in the offseason. He's not really a notable offensive catcher. He should play quite a bit against right handed pitching. Um, yeah. Eric Haas is obviously interesting. He's got a lot of power, but much better against lefties. So I don't know if it's worth it. I think that one just misses the cut. This next one's from Tyler in Ontario. Dear Ricky Bubbles and Julian. This appears to be the trailer park boys. Oh, uh, okay. Maybe. Don't know anything about them. Yeah, I don't know, don't know anything about them. This is a television I've heard of them. series. All right. Yes. Um, I think they have movies as well. I play in a 10-team, head-to-head, 5x5 category league with five keepers. This offseason, after a heated debate, we voted to change average to OBP and wins to quality starts. I'm curious what your personal preference are in regards to OBP and quality starts as categories. Uh, I, I'm i fine with whatever OBP. Makes, whatever makes your league more fun. Whatever makes people in your league have more fun. That, that's truly my answer. What do you like more, Chris? The problem with quality starts is obviously innings pitch per start are coming way down. There were only yep. 12 pitchers who averaged six or more innings per start last season. 
12 in the entire league, and you need six starts, I mean six innings, to get a quality start. I always thought that a quality start should be a sliding scale because, let's be honest, six innings of three-run ball is not a quality start. That's 4.5 ERA. Yeah, It should be five innings of one-run ball, six innings of two-run ball, I guess... Anything after that, seven or eight or nine innings of three-run ball, anything over three runs should not be a quality start. I always thought it should be a, a sliding scale, but it seems like maybe we're lagging behind as an industry there. Yeah, and like, I don't know. There will be more quality starts than there will be wins, at least for the leaders. Like there were 22, no, 29 pitchers who had at least 15 quality starts last season. But like, I don't know. It's a weird group. Cole Irvin and Chris Flexen and Kyle Gibson were among the top 29. So it's a, it's a weird group. I don't know. It's, it's slightly less random than wins. And I think people like it because it's more reflective than, uh, um, than wins in terms of how the pitcher actually pitched. But, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean a guy pitched well. And, um, I don't know. I, I just, I don't have the like morality about it that a lot of people do where it's like wins are terrible and like, <laughs> I don't care because it's a game, right? And so the, the point of fantasy baseball is to figure out how to win within the parameters of the game. And part of that is dealing with the, the randomness of wins and the randomness of batting average to a certain extent. And so, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I'm just in favor of whatever your league mates think is the best thing and that will make your league more fun and keep people the most engaged. And if that means going away from wins in favor of quality starts, that's perfectly fine. If people prefer wins, I think you should keep it. I, I don't think there's, I don't think one or the other is better necessarily. Yeah, it comes down to personal preference. And for me, I would go with OBP and wins. This one's from Jack, who is a fellow FIU alum. Go Panthers. Yeah. See the paw. Feel the claw. <laughs> F, F, I, I, U, U. I like that. Uh, I went to St. Francis College, Chris, and our mascot is the Terrier. So obviously a, a very oh, fearsome dog. So That's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you just groom him with a little beard. Yeah, he, he usually does have the nice little like mustache beard combination as a mascot. It, you know, it, it is what it is. It's Fun cute. fact, one of... I believe five or six original Division One schools to never make the March Madness tournament, and guess what? They won't be doing it this year either. Hey, I think I think FIU made it in like <laughs> 1998 with Carlos Arroyo and Raja Bell. I think that's the last and maybe only time they made it. I mean, those are some pretty legit ball players there. So I mean, <laughs> the 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 pride of Puerto Rico, Carlos Arroyo. <laughs> Hey Kyle, dude. hey Kyle, Jake, and John. Uh, Kyle, Jake, and John. That could be a lot of people. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure either. Are those Rangers pitchers? Kyle, Kyle Gibson. Kyle Gibson's no, on. He's not on the Rangers. Yeah, he's on the Phillies. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, this would have been, I think, Cubs. Kyle Hendricks. Jake Arietta, uh, John Lester. That I makes sense. Think. That makes sense. I play in an 11 team strictly home run league. 10 roster spots, 7 starters, no ads, drops, or trades. A lot of ways to win here. Goal is to win each week. 
Streaky hitters help here. Most home runs at the All-Star break and also the entire season. Teams with either of the top two league leaders in home runs win as well. Looking for your picks to lead the league in home runs uh, slash streaky hitters to help win weeks slash sleepers. Matt Olson helped a lot last year. Thanks, Scott. Hmm. Mm. Okay, picks to lead the league in homers. That's, I mean... Oh, I feel like I should have some some guys off the top of my head, but let's. Uh, I mean, if you're looking for one who like has a really good chance of leading the league in homers and might be undervalued in that regard, Mike Trout would be my answer. I think he he might just be the best power hitter in baseball when he's healthy. Um, I would probably so, use home run betting odds. So there's sure. there are betting odds for who's going to lead the league in home runs. Obviously, the top. Five or so, Vladimir Guerrero, Fernando Tatis, Pete Alonso, Salvador Perez, interesting, has the third best odds. Aaron Judge, Matt Olson. Oh, he led the majors in home runs last year. Yeah, it's just, I as good as Salvador Perez is, I mean, he's still a catcher, which I think yeah. means he's more prone to injury, just the nature of the position. Uh, I would personally not be very excited to draft Salvador Perez in a in a home run hitter league. No, not Matt, coming off last season. Matt Olson is up there. Mike Trout, uh, Joey Gallo, obviously. Yeah, Joey Gallo. Uh, Fran Mo Reyes probably going to be Fran Mo Reyes would be uh, an undervalued one, I would think. George Springer is an undervalued one. He's been like a forty plus homer guy over the past three seasons with his rate. Obviously, Reese Hoskins, you know, not necessarily the best raw power, but. You know, the way he swings the bat, Kyle Schwarber, an undervalued one. Adam Duvall is probably going to be overlooked. He's going to hit a lot of home runs. Um, Jorge Soler. Jorge Soler. Miguel Sano. You know, there's always questions about playing time, but he could absolutely have a random 45 homer season. Um, Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think CJ Crone is kind of interesting. Sure. Yeah. CJ Crone. how about you, so? So you're talking about what, a ten player league, boomer bust, eleven teams. So 110 players would get drafted. Josh Donaldson is probably an undervalued one. Um, Cody Bellinger, yeah, Cody Bellinger, Eugenio Suarez. A lot of people are going to overlook him, but he still had what 36 homers last season. I 31. Think it, yeah, it was like low 30s, but no, that's a good one. I like that a lot. Um, I think Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman, yeah. On a bounce back. Eloy could have a, a breakout, I think, entirely for sure. possible. For sure. Tyler O'Neill. I mean, we we don't buy what he did necessarily. I think most of us view him as a bust on this podcast, but... He crushes he's, the ball. He's got legitimate 40 homer potential. Um, My problem with him is that he has been very prone to injuries, so you, you want sure. someone who could stay healthy. Obviously, we didn't mention them, but the Yankees make sense. Judge, Stanton, obviously. Yes. Uh, Brandon Belt. As like a really overlooked guy. Um, Yasmani Grandal at the catcher position. I know positions probably don't matter all that much, but he's someone who could absolutely hit 30 plus homers. Joey Votto, if you buy this power. Joey Votto for sure. Yeah. Um, Adolis Garcia hit 30 homers last year. Marcelo Zuna. Um, The question really with him is playing time, but I think if he gets it, he'll be 35 or 30 plus Mm -hmm. at least. Um, Max Kepler. Could have a random 35 homer season. Chris, I'm surprised we haven't said his name yet. Deep sleeper, Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt, for sure. Um, Michael Conforto 
if he lands in the right spot. Bobby, Bobby Dahl- Bradley. I was going to say Bobby Dahlbeck. Bobby Dahlbeck and Bobby Bradley for sure. Both of them. Um, AJ Pollock. Yeah. It's like potentially a last round pick. He can give you like 25 um, plus. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, I'll throw Anthony Santander out there. Um, sure. Puts the ball puts the ball in the air a lot. He's a switch hitter, so not affected as much by left field moving back in Camden. You know, I know it didn't help him last year, but if Anthony Rizzo re-signed with the Yankees and was their everyday first baseman, I think he'd be a good bet for 30-plus home runs. Yeah. I know he wasn't good after the trade, but I think that's there. Christian Yelich, I mean, I know there's a lot of skepticism, but he nearly had a 50-homer season before uh, in, back in 2019 before his injury. Um yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah, we threw. <laughs> I think we covered a Mitch Garver, another catcher for a late round pick who could hit thirty plus homers. Rowdy Telez. Oh, could uh, the Rowdy Rough Boys, Rowdy and, and Darren Ruff, Seth Beer, Seth Beer. Um, oh, we're going deep into the player pool now. Gavin Sheets. While we're at it, I mean, heck, the Royals had, I believe, three of the top four minor league home run leaders last season in Bobby Witt, MJ Melendez, and I can't remember the name of the third guy. I'm hoping Frank knows it. Nick Prado? I think that, yes, that's the one. Um, so if those guys get called up, if you're looking for, like, streaky guys, um, there's one other guy I wanted to say. Now I can't remember it. It's all right. We gave him a lot. Jesus Sanchez. Jesus Sanchez. Yes, I absolutely love it. Uh, this next one's from Daniel, Dear Sandy, Mike, and Freddie. Uh, Sandy, Mike, and Freddie. I would say that Freddie... Hmm. No, well, he spelled it Freddie, F-R-E-D-D-Y. So it's not Freddie Freeman, then. I was going to say... Peralta. Are these... Sandy okay. Alcantara, Freddie Freeman, Freddie Peralta, and... Mike... Mike who? My was there a there was a breakout Mike last year, right? Uh, I don't think so. Mike Trout, no. Zanino, Michael. I have no idea. There, Conforto, Brantley. Nope. All right. Well, stumped. Thirteen team of Roto Keeper League question. League specifics. Thirteen teams. Normal five by five. Ten keepers per team. Three hundred dollar budget. Roto rosters, but one catcher, two utility, only two bench spots. Contracts that don't affect this question. Uh, and huge inflation. For example, twenty twenty one top bids were Trout for ninety two, Harper for seventy five, Freddie Freeman for seventy one, Lindor Bogarts for sixty seven, etc. Uh, Max Scherzer and Jacob Degrom were kept in the 70s last year. Struggling with my last keeper spot, I was thinking Castellanos at $43. Great pick last year, but what Scott was saying about late signing guys struggling has me a little shook. Here are my choices. Castellanos for 43, Arena for 47, Kirilov for 8, Arenado for 54, Aroldis Chapman for 15, Corey Seager for 49. Hmm. So the late signing guys struggling is a thing. I don't know how much of a thing it is, but it's a thing. Um, but like, if we only get two weeks of spring training games this year anyway, which is the latest proposal, obviously, by the time you're listening to this, we will know one way or the other. Um, but I think that would 
probably have the benefit of sh- shrinking whatever disadvantage exists for the late signing guys. Um, and I would guess they're going to sign very quickly. So I don't know. I, I kind of just think you go with Castellanos here because I think he's similar in value to Seeger and Arnado and, and a Rosa Reina, and he's cheaper. So I say you just go with all of them. Yeah, it was like, what's the worst case scenario? He signs with the Marlins and he's like a 24 homer guy who hits 270, but probably drives in 90 plus and scores 90 plus. Like, I think that the the floor is still really high for him. I don't think the floor is particularly high for Arenado or Rosarena. Yeah, Uh, I was actually debating Seager more than anything here. Yeah, yeah, I think Seager is probably has as much upside as any of those other guys. And, you know, I think the floor is just health re- related. I think if he's healthy, he's going to hit really well. I think he's going to hit close to 300 with good power. So I, I think it's Seager or Castellanos and I'm, I'm fine with either my, my lean would be to Castellanos to save the $6, but given the inflation in this league, I don't know how much an extra $6 really matters anyway. Right. <clears throat> yeah. I'm with you. I think uh, I will go with Nick Castellanos as well. We're, like, I don't know about you, Frank, but in the Scott White Dynasty League, which is another league that has wild inflation, partially because of how deep it is and partially because there just aren't that many free agents available in the draft, um, I almost don't worry about price that much when I'm keeping, when I'm deciding to keep guys. The only one I did this year, I think I threw back Real Muto for like 40 plus. Um, but other than that, it's just kind of if the guy's good and he's not $70 like Mike Trout was for me, I'm just going to keep him. Like, you know, that that's just kind of when the, the inflation's this bad. Right. You just keep the guys who are good. Yeah. And obviously it's relative to your league. So it sounds like, you know, as you mentioned, uh, Daniel, that the inflation is, is pretty high in your league. So Castellanos, why, while it sounds very high at $43, um, you do have – you know, you, you included your keepers here and you have a bunch of other great values. So I think it's okay to maybe uh, spend up on one player there. We're going to wrap for Chris. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching this mailbag edition of Fantasy Baseball Today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.